Welcome to Book Buddies, a book club for people. Thanks for joining us as we discuss Please Kill Me, the uncensored oral history of punk by Legs McNeil and Jillian McCain. This week on the show, Legs McNeil. And now, here are your hosts, Josh Tyson and Mark Brush. dog market improvements i like it i like it right leg to the sky yes and i want you to tone the back of your right leg flex your buttock and you want to get that that right leg high in the air but you want to keep your your pelvis square parallel to the earth very nice all right now step step through but i want you to step to a wide runner's lunge i want your foot on the outside of your uh, right hand there very good very good all right now Take your left arm to the sky for a twist. Or I'm sorry, take your right your right arm to the sky. I could have hurt you there. I'm sorry about that. Really subtle twist. All right, now take a deep breath. Breathe out. Yeah, now come back. Now I want you to step your left foot up on the outside of your left hand. And now you're in frog pose. Very good. Now push your triceps against your knees. Hands to heart center. Drop your pelvis. That's hot. Oh, hey, oh, we've got a special guest today. Welcome, Legs. I just want to remind you, last time we talked, you were in bed eating cake watching X-Files. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I didn't realize at the time, but it was your birthday, right? Or was it right before your birthday? It was. It was right around your birthday. Was it the 27th? I believe so. Yeah, that was my birthday. All right. Well, happy belated birthday. It made sense then why you're eating cake in bed. Or do you eat cake in bed well, not on your birthday? you know what? I don't need my birthday as an excuse to eat cake in bed. All right. That's the right way to live. Yes. As I was told the story, what I remembered that it was a fancy bed. As I... Yes, it is. Okay. A memory foam topper on it, I think. I sleep in a round room and the bed takes up the whole room. It's great. Is it like a yurt? A yurt? No, it's not like a yurt. It's like a, a round room, a some kind of castle type thing. Like an oval office. Yes, like an oval. Yes, like an oval bedroom. <laughs> He's got his own oval office. Oh. Oval bedroom. Oval bedroom. Oval bedroom. Very different. So did jo- so Josh? I think told you what we did. We no, of, I don't. I don't remember. You don't remember Just what we did. We, we whatever you want. We had a little book club, and we uh. We went through the book, Please Kill Me. We went through it, uh, I don't know, part by part over a number of weeks. And uh, he kind of knew a lot about what was coming and what was going on, and I knew nothing. Mm-hmm. And so so it's fresh in our minds, and he reached out to you and said, let's talk to the guy who helped make it. So okay, that's what we're doing. Here, Here we are. Here you are. And so Mark has a burning question. Well, I, it's not a, I mean, I don't know. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm a little timid to, to ask it, but... I guess I shouldn't be. Why? Why? This is his interview style. Just fucking ask. Yeah. What? So I remember two distinct, uh, two distinct instances where people are shitting in each other's mouths, and I don't remember hearing that in any other book I've read. Is this a thing that was go? Why do they keep doing this? Who were the two people that shitting in each other's mouths? L- Lou Reed. Well, he offered making to a shit move on in Duncan Hanna. 
Yeah. Yeah, but, but I, I think I think Lou was just goofing on him. You know. And then Sid, I think I think you know I think Lou was just teasing him. Okay. You know? And then it was. Sid, and who was the other one? Sid Vicious, coming out of the bathroom after with a, v, a Vietnam vet and his wife or something. I think so. Yeah. And the vet, I think, said that. Oh right. He wanted his yeah, wife to experience yeah. something that she'd went, never yeah. experienced before. You know, I I, I can't speak to Sid. <laughs> So it might have been talk. Sid, it was blustering. Sid was a moron. No, it's probably true, but Sid was an idiot. And I'm just, I'm just seeing if it was a thing back then, and I'm guessing not. <laughs> it could be. No, a not as much. I mean, if it's a thing today, it was a thing then. Who, who the fuck knows? All right. Well, here. So, I'm curious to know. Um, I didn't know anything about these people when I read the book, um, and throughout the first four parts or so. You know, here's Johnny Thunders, and he's a big deal, but I didn't know much about him. And by the end of the book, something about that, is it part five? Is that how it wraps up? The never mind. Never mind. Heartbreaking. And so I was, I was actually thinking about how, you, how this came about, right? Some, a character that, character, I mean, he's a real person, but to me he's a character in the book. And mm-hmm. I didn't really like, you know, I wasn't attached to him. I didn't know his music, but then I'm, you know... Tell me if this is masterful editing at play, right? But it's like he became symbolic for the way this thing sort of unraveled in its later stages, and it was heartbreaking. Well, I think I think when you have someone fucked up throwing guinea pigs out the window, the book's not going to end too good. You know, <laughs> that was a terrible scene. Yeah, <laughs> it was <laughs> funny. the worst thing that happened. <laughs> it's like the guinea pig getting shot. Come on. Come on. <laughs> So that, so that really happened. Well, you never know what's real and what's not, because they're fucked up all the time, I guess. I don't know. Um, all right, well, I'm going to ask one of Josh's questions here. Oh, okay, okay. since I'm so echoey. Yeah. The question is, um, well, I think this speaks to sort of, are you still listening to this music at all? Like, and, and given your sort of, when you look in the rearview mirror about what, what, how punk mattered or didn't matter, you know, I never look in the fucking room. Never look mirror. in the room. So what can we, you know, in the present moment, what can we learn in this Trump America? Like, are we just poised to breed another movement like this or not? Well, maybe you should read the new book. Which one? The one I'm currently working on right now as we speak. <laughs> well, I can't read that. <laughs> What's it about, if you want to leak? It's about the 60s. It's about why things happened the way they did. It's an oral history too. It's music. It's acid. It's it's Manson. It's everything. Wow. All and, right. And somehow that's going to inform. All right. We're going to connect that to Trump. Yeah. I mean, well, part of the reason I wanted Mark to read this book is I'm looking for silver linings to this whole election, and one could be Look, perhaps you're looking for silver linings. I'm, I'm not finding many. <laughs> I'm not luck. finding many. But it does seem like maybe we are poised for some really good transformative art maybe because people are well, way outside of their comfort that, zones i think that during the obama you know the obama eight years you know we took kind of two steps forward and whenever you do that in america you always have to take a step back and that's what we're doing now we're taking a step back feels more like a flying leap back <laughs> but but yeah yeah who knows you know you can't know you just gotta wait and see I mean, we lived through Nixon, you know? You guys probably don't remember Nixon. He was an asshole, too, you know? That's true. Yeah, I read Fear and Loathing on the campaign trail a while ago, and uh, Nixon, pretty horrifying. So 
How, how would you compare eight days of Trump to a lot more days of Nixon? I think Nixon was a lot smarter than Trump. Yeah. I don't think Trump is. I don't think Trump's that smart. You know, but you, certainly the malevolence, you know, that they mm. both have is just kind of equal. They're both very insecure, right? Nixon was very paranoid, and Trump seems that way too. He just doesn't like he's paranoid about his crowd sizes and his public perception and the size of his hands and how his hair looks, even though it's all a mess. Yeah, I, Trump bores me though. It's like talking about Nixon. <laughs> well, here's something I wanted to know because you, you touched on it in the book. Like, you sat down with Patty Smith, and the first question out of your mouth was. Did you did you really get, have Aerosmith on your album or something like that? What what was the interview style and what kind of stuff did you do? Um, very very drunk. <laughs> That's right. what the interview style was. That was the interview. Uh, that was yeah. a key component. So a lot a lot of, not a lot of note taking, a lot of recording with audio and take checking it later. No, I I always had a tape recorder, yeah, because I couldn't take notes. Yeah. My handwriting's huge and it's like a retarded child, you know. Well, and that takes you out of the interview too. If you're trying to jot notes the whole time, it's no good. I can't. I can't hear that guy. <laughs> he said it takes you out of the interview. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll leave him out of it. Um, yeah, fuck him. <laughs> fuck oh. me. Yeah. Uh, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm fine. So what? But was that an intentional? It sounds like it was. I think you wrote about it that way, uh, or said what? it. That it was an intentional approach to sort of like start these interviews in weird ways, ask the stupidest questions you could think of and see how see that, people... that someone told me to ask. And then oh. Patty reamed me out and told me my responsibility as being a, a uh. underground journalist. I don't listen. Patty, but Pat, Patty and I became really good friends at that time though. You know, Pat, I liked Patty a lot and you know, she really could rock, you know, which is all I really gave a fuck about, you know, she really and she really delivered to her audience, you know? Yeah, and she it seemed like she was smart and kind of got out at the right time. Yeah. I mean, falling off stage might have played into that a bit, but... No, she, she yeah, never, well, she was she was in a lot more pain. I, I babysat for her when she... Uh, after she fell off the stage, I'd come over, and her assistant, I think it was Andy Astro, would leave at like five or six... And then I'd hang out with her until her boyfriend, Alan Lanier, came home from doing a gig or something. That's very sweet. I mean, so here, the outsider perspective, I, I, I didn't know a lot of these, I've said this a couple of times, I didn't know a lot of this music of these bands going in, but I knew Lou Reed. He came across yeah. as, as a raging asshole throughout the book. Well, I think... Lou did that to protect himself from all the noise around him. You know, he was also really fucked up on a lot of drugs, too, and drunk. But, you know, people who were friends with Lou, um, you know, said he was kind of a sweet guy, you know, when, when if you're friends with him. You know, but I think he saw the media, understandably, and everybody else um, as the enemy, you know? You know, and he should have. Bob know? Dylan style. You know, people don't really get stuff down, you know, when they come to interview. You know, in the interviews, unless you sit down for like 10 hours and yeah. really question someone about their life, you know, the interview format is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> Who you did know, you don't you think? 
Oh, yeah. It's a little superficial. You know? It can be. You bet. Yeah. You know? Well, who did you who did you connect with the most while you were doing interviews for the book? Like, who did you interview for the longest period of time and maybe feel like you had a deeper connection with? That's a hard one because we talked to so many people. And I had done a, quite quite a bit of the few of the interviews beforehand, you know, mm-hmm. during the 80s, um, you know. Uh, who did I connect with them? Who was I friends with the most? Sure. Well, Joey Ramone. Me and Joey were really tight in the beginning, in the early days. You know, Joey was great, and he was so funny, and he he really was a delightful human being, you know. And he just loved her. He just loved rock and roll. Well, when we got later into the book, uh, Josh um, showed me for the first time Dee Dee Ramone's rap career as Dee Dee King. Yes. I was, <laughs> I was not impressed by that. <laughs> it was kind of horrifying. Oh, my God. Well, well, Dan, Daniel Ray, who, who um, produced that, said, well, it might be a shitty album, but it saved Dee Dee's life because Dee Dee was really you know, not in good shape when he did mm. it, you know. You know, I can't be a Negro. I'm sorry, you know. <laughs> I'm just not a Negro. He's a funky man. He's a, <laughs> he a funky not a, man. Not a funky man, right. Yeah. yeah. All right. We also found a clip of the Ramones on Regis and Kathy Lee, which was quite delightful. Yeah. To see them on that set that kind of, you know, looked like something out of Country Living magazine. Is, is, is that the one where Marky keeps um, tapping his foot and Johnny keeps telling him to stop it? It might be. And it's like where uh, Regis says something like, he says, and you're on drums? And Joey's like, I thought you were going to say he was on drugs. <laughs> and it just horrifies Kathy Lee and Regis, which is yeah. nothing. But <laughs> talk, talk about substantive interviews. I, I think Regis and Kathy Lee. Um, well, I want to know more about, I mean, I guess you're not going to tell us much about it, but so there's an oral history of the 60s in the works. It's called 69. An oral history. And are enough of the, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you had more sort of these interviews in the bag for Please Kill Me and then revisited it and did more. Like, do you have those in the bag for 69 or do you have to get them all from scratch and see who's still around? Um, a lot of them I have. A lot of them we've done. We've been working on it for 10 years, so a lot of them we've done. And then uh, there's a lot in public domain and, and inter- mm. you know, interview people who are dead and stuff, you know. But usually we we combine the interviews that we've done with interviews that we've gotten from other sources, so it works. When you said that uh, Trump bores you, like what what is exciting to you right now? Like what about modern man's mess do you find intriguing? I guess whatever I'm working on, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited by my life. You know, I like it. Well, yeah, you eat cake in bed. Yeah, I get to eat cake in bed. But I was alone in bed, unfortunately. Oh, <laughs> just you and your cake on your birthday alone? Yeah, well, you know, when you when I'm working, I, I I I'm not usually entertaining. So you're in full-on work mode. Yeah, because I get up early and just start and stay here for ten, twelve hours. It's kind of hard to uh, assemble these chapters from nothing. So. Well, yeah, I mean, you have to kind of suss out the storylines from. Mm-hmm. piles and piles of material yeah well you have to timeline everything too which is what people really don't do you know and which we really are sticklers for you don't want to have someone saying you know 
I was doing this in a section where, you know, he did it, you know, a year later or something, you know? It's, it's an editor's nightmare. <laughs> yeah. well, it's also it's also kind of fun when you get it when yeah. you when you really nail it it's it's cool you know and you know when you nail it yeah I, yeah I, I I've not done nothing that big <clears throat> but I I have a sense of it um it's yeah. turning out to be please kill me quality so I I think it, it it's going to be pretty good if we can keep going the way we're going you know and ten years in did you did you say you were close to the finish line. Did you say next year? No, no, no. We, no, we we're just like, oh, uh, we're going back to this, you know. But now, now we're kind of going to the completion, you know. What are like some of the major themes that are repeating themselves, um, like now that kind of happened back then? Do you think? Class, class is a really big theme, which is something we really don't talk about in the United States, you know. It's it's more of a theme than I thought, you know. And then and and also the mixing of the like the lower classes with the upper classes, it's kind of what makes things really really violent, you know. I got a little of that out of Please Kill Me. I was born in um, seventy three, uh, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah. <clears throat> I didn't live through any of that, but um, I I, I didn't have a good sense of the way. I mean, it's it's kind of obvious to state, right? But punk is this is this response to the hippie movement? But like, I, the sense that the hippie movement was a was a thing of privilege. At least the way I got it out of Please Kill Me was like there was this privilege. These people that could coming out of trust funds or whatever, putting on flower skirts and trying to change the world. This is real life. I'm Iggy Pop in Detroit. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Lumpin hippies. Lumpin hippies. Yes. Yeah. I didn't. I had no sense of that. I learned it out of this book. Yeah. The hippies, for the most, well, it's like people who go to Grateful Dead concerts, you know? They're kind of upper class kids. Mm. People go to Ramones concerts, they're kind of lower class, you know? Mm-hmm. Or winter, you know? you know? So it's even in that book. That's probably in every book we write. Sure. Yeah. What I like, too, is like I feel like, in a way, you know, rock and roll kind of democratized music for people. People could start playing it in yeah. the garages, but what was really cool about this book and what it really highlights is that punk kind of democratized just letting completely loose and living however you really deem fit there's a long pattern of that you know you know which starts in the wild west where people just go and shoot up everybody you know Mm. live that way you know take lots of drugs fuck lots of people you know have a lot of fun if you want to shit in someone's mouth, go shit in someone's mouth. At least try. Yes. Yeah. Well, you, I, I think they have to want you to shit in their mouth. Though. <laughs> you should definitely no. get permission first. Yeah, you should get permission. I think Lou said put a pl- you could put a plate over your mouth if you wanted to. That right. Was the, yeah. Yes, exactly. That makes yeah. it much better. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, we just wanted to check in. I appreciate your oh. time. Well, thank you. We had a lot of fun doing it. And uh, well, keep going. I, hope right? I answered. I hope I answered all your questions. You did. We're looking forward Enough to 69, too. Yeah, looking forward yeah. to the next one. Yeah, it should be fun. It's, it's really fun doing it. I hope so. Good luck. Okay, thanks. Follow all right. that timeline. Belated happy birthday. Okay. Yep. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Book Buddies 
is a Natch what? production. Your hosts are Josh Tyson and Mark Brush. Josh, formerly of B. Dalton Bookseller, holds a B.A. in English from Metropolitan State University of Denver and is the author of Sweet Nothings. Mark, formerly of Tattered Cover Bookstore, holds a B.A. in English from Williams College and is the author of The Kepler Track. Check out their other shows wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. Natch for Food News Eventually, and In the Face for Insider NFL Action. Theme music by Anna Deloy, Williams, class of 18. On the next Book Buddies. Look at me, son. It's not your fault. I know. It's not your fault. I know. No, no, you don't. It's not your fault. I know. It's not your fault. All right. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Don't fuck. It's not your fault. Don't fuck with me, all right? Don't fuck with me, Sean. Not you. It's not your fault. Oh, my God.